Welcome, everybody, to the AJ Osborne Show, where we focus on our core tenets, impact, freedom, and progress. Join me and others as we grow through education and discussion. Welcome, everybody, to the AJ Osborne Podcast. And today, I'm so excited to have a guest on. We got Chris here with me. We're going to talk. He's a financial advisor, so we should have some interesting um, discussions because uh, I'm always interested to see financial, the world of financial advisory. You know, I think there's a lot of people in a lot of different camps. So I'm, I love talking to financial advisors to see where in the world they line up with their viewpoint on finances. Uh, so with that, Chris, welcome. I appreciate you coming on. Hey, I appreciate you having me on, AJ. Now, we talked a little bit before. You're down the road in Utah, so I'm a, I'm up here in Boise. And uh, you have you been a financial um, advisor or planner your entire career, or was that something you got into later? Yeah, I started the traditional mainstream financial advisor almost 20 years ago. You yeah. know, uh, out here in Utah, I did that for four years. My intention actually was never to go into financial advising. Uh, I was actually going into business consulting in college. And I thought, you know, if I should, if I go into business consulting, shouldn't I have real life business experience, not just some degree that says I can be a business consultant. So I dropped out of college with one class to go before I got my, my bachelor's um, and decided, okay, well, let's find something. Let's just take a one year sabbatical. Well, the first opportunity that came up was become a financial advisor. Cause little known to me, they take anybody with a heartbeat that can pass the test <laughs> with at least 70%, right? Yes. So <laughs> I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to do it. But you know, it was very commission only entrepreneur. So, I mean, I, I really enjoyed having control of my own time, my own freedom. That was always my intention. And so when I did that, you know, I actually stayed dropped out of college, never went back. I did try to go back five years later, but when they said, Hey, you need to take a year and a half of courses to make up because you're now too old or yeah, whatever. Yeah. I was like, Forget that. A sociology yeah. major with triple minor in Japanese ballroom dancing and psychology just <laughs> won't cut it for me, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I went, I stayed on that path. Now, here's the thing is that I did that for four years. Uh, but after four years, about the end of 2005 going to 2006, I realized that financial advising is broken. It's a, it's a bunch of crap, really. It really is. Like, uh, this is where I became more of the anti-financial advisor, right? Because um, the truth is, like, if you look at financial advisors, they're really like Mexican food, you know. Uh, in fact, the funny thing is, I even remember uh, like one of the guys in our company saying, "Hey, financial products are like Mexican food; it's just repackaged differently." But now, I look back, it's like it is because it's all the same ingredients, right? It's meat, rice, beans, lettuce, tomatoes, salsa, whatever, right? Yep. Um, you know, a burrito, same ingredients. Tacos, same ingredients. Tostadas, same ingredients. It's all the same crap. You know, it's just packaged differently. Yeah. And financial advisors are the same way. It's all pretty much insurance and investments, yeah. right? And the investments are very, very tiny limitations to just mutual funds. Yes. Uh, if you're lucky, maybe you talk about stocks, but even then that's, it's like high risk, mediocre returning type of investments. Yeah. And so at the end of 2005, I remember there was a guy I trained to be a financial advisor that went and left to do real estate investing, right? And so I called him up thinking, hey, let's just see how he's doing. I bet you he's struggling for money. He'll want to come back working for me again. Man, I was totally wrong because this guy, he, not only was he like happy, but the guy was making money. He's like, Chris, he's like, man, I'll tell you like, what's going on right now? It's awesome. My dad and I partnered up together. His, his dad was a professor at BYU. He's like, my dad's now double his income as a professor. I'm like, 
hold on. I know how much your dad makes. And it's not that much, you know, BYU, but I was like, okay, you make, he makes almost six figures. And you're telling me he's already making that much a year with real estate investing at four months. It's like, yeah, it's awesome. I said, come on. That's too good to be true. Yes, you know, as yes. yeah, I always hear people tell me, right. Well, we went this debate back and forth. And he finally stopped me. He said, Chris, how many of your clients are actually financially free where they don't worry about money? I said, well, not worrying about money. Okay, well, even the retired ones worry about money because especially when they watch CNN, yep. you're going to worry about everything. Uh-huh. So I was like, well, none. He's like, well, good job, Chris. Way to go. Well, how about this? How many of you guys as financial advisors are financially free? Not off the commissions of selling this crap, but actually doing, doing these investments and you can retire yourselves. And I thought about the guys that have been working for that firm since the 1970s. I said, well, none. Everybody's still technically in the rat race. He said, well, there's your problem. Well, give me the answer. He's like, I'm not going to give the answer. You just got done arguing with me that stocks are better and all that stuff. I'm like, you got me to admit that there's a weakness here. Give me something. So he finally just said, listen, if you're serious, listen to this AM radio show that was locally going on in Utah with these two real estate investors. And then get the book, Who Took My Money by by Robert Kiyosaki. It's a lesser known rich dad, poor dad book. Uh, In summary, mutual funds stink, right? That's pretty much the message of the book. So I did that. Uh, after a few months, I realized this stuff doesn't work. Like I've already seen the real returns of the stock market. It's not enough to get anybody to retire, like in a real free way, right? Like you might be able to retire below the poverty line, you know, maybe barely middle class, but you can't really retire. And so uh, I, March of 06, I left. I said, I'll never teach about money again. I will just do mortgage, mortgages because I was a mortgage broker and I'll teach ballroom dancing at the local university. And, uh, and I did that. But as I was doing that, I also wanted to learn what these guys knew. And the next thing I know, by June later that year, June, July, I was able to be financially independent myself. For us, 28 years old, almost 29, I was able to be financially free. Um, and that was a shocker. Um, and that's where eventually I came out of retirement in 2007 to teach people how to do the same thing. is how to get out of the rat race, doing the opposite advice of what financial advisors recommend. You know, it's funny because um, I obviously share all the sentiments that has been said right there. Um, when uh-huh. we used to have financial advisors that would always come and they wanted to invest um, my capital, right? They wanted to invest yeah. my money. And I'm like, great. So how much do you make a year? And what mm-hmm. is your investments in? And how much of it is it passive? And yeah. they got really uncomfortable. And I'm like, uh-huh. well, you want to know how much I make a year. You want to know how much capital I have. So my question is, are you doing better? Yeah. Is this working? Right? I want to see the proof in the pudding. And there yeah. was never an answer. It was no. The answer is no. Right? We don't no. have any formula. I have a job. Right? And mm-hmm. I need your money to get paid a commission to basically just stay on par with the index funds. And yeah. that's it. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, this isn't financial planning. This is yeah. financial moving. You're moving money from one account to another. That's all it really right. is. And uh, I think in some cases, it, it, it makes sense. Like people that habitually spend money that need someone to be like, no, you just need to get X amount of money and put it into account and not touch it, right? I, I'm not saying that it's just, that's horrible. They're all, you know, no, no. There is a part that that's actually important, right? That, yeah, yeah you got to do this. But that has nothing to do with financial freedom. I'd argue even financial stability. It doesn't have mm-hmm. anything to do with financial planning because there's no options. Yeah. And they can't sell you options either. They can't give you options, right? Um, yeah. And 
I always thought that was interesting. And it was like the more I pried into it, the more I said, well, make me a plan that I would be financial free in five years. They couldn't do mm-hmm. it. And I'm like, that's right. Well, I'm confused then. I, like, what, why, why am I, what are you, what are we talking about here? Uh-huh. Uh, and it, the problem was they'd never done it and they'd never seen anything like it. So I just kept doing what yeah. I was doing, did it myself and worked exactly. much, much better. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and that's what every one of us that become financially free have realized, or even before we became financially free is, wait a minute, these guys are broke. They're called brokers for a reason because they're broker than you and I are, right? <laughs> yes. You know, it's, and even the ones that make good money, are they making good money because they've made good investments? Are they making good money because they're good salesmen? Mm-hmm. Oh, every time. Yep. Always is about being a salesperson, right? And and I'm not saying that they're out here to ruin the world. I'm no. not saying that at all, right? Because no. I, I was good hearted as well. I wanted people to succeed. Yeah. Uh, and that's why I had to leave. You know, and it was hard because I was at the height of my practice four years in. I, I mean, I lasted, you know, when you make it four years, you outlast almost everybody. Yeah. You know, in the yeah. financial advisor world, uh-huh. right? And, and the rare few go for decades, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, it was it was it was a shocker for me to be able to say, wait, well, do I keep teaching this because my pocketbook says one thing, or do I leave it? Yeah. And I, I got to the point I could not do it anymore. I cannot teach or sell anything that I know doesn't work or I can't believe in. And 100%. and that's what happened. Because I'll tell you, when I ran the numbers, even before I left, and it was already that's the thing. When Doug came into my life, the guy that was telling me his doing awesome with real estate, you know, I was already starting to question things. I just didn't want to tell anybody out loud. Yeah. Because I would run numbers. I like proof. Yeah. I like to know things work. And when I ran the numbers, I realized, wait, the stock market hasn't averaged 12% a year. Like they always told me. Yeah. Because I would look at the actual versus average returns, right? Yep. I remember learning that for the first time. Like when yep. you lose 50%, you need 100% to get back to, to get zero. To get back to zero. Right? Yes. But the average return, if that happened in two years, you drop 50% and you go up 100%, do the average. It's negative yeah. 50 plus 100. That leaves you with 50 Divide by two years, that's a 25% average return, but you made zero. Yes. So whenever you have a negative year, it throws the numbers off, right? Um, you lose 10%, you need 11.1. You lose 20%, you need 25. You lose 25, you need 33. You lose 50, you need 100. You lose 90, like in the Great Depression, you need yep. 900% to get back to zero. No wonder they keep telling you those averages versus the actual yield, yield. of the market. Um, that's why in you know 2000 to 2015, you know when I saw that, so many people were telling me, Chris, I'm just now barely about to break even on my money, even though the average from 2000 to 2015 was about four percent a year in the market, but the yep. actual yield, especially when you take out fees and everything else, yeah, that's oh yeah. even worse. Oh yeah, was negative still by yeah. 2015 for most people in the market, and so uh, so when I realized that, that the real return actually between about about eight eight point three eight point four percent currently for the last thirty years is the updated as of today was eight point four percent almost. Um, that's thirty year average, not twelve, not ten, but eight point four. And you know, that's before fees, that's before costs come out, and you know, and, and uh, taxes, taxes, and everything, opportunity, co- on and on and on. Yeah, there. You and know, here's the worst part: is uh, is if you have a million bucks, right? Yeah. Now, they used to tell you the 4% rule. Now, there's still people out there teaching it, but that's an old rule, right? 4%. So whatever you have in your money, you can live on 4% a year and not supposed to run out of money. Yes. But even 15 years ago or more, when I was a financial advisor, we were questioning that rule of, is that a little too aggressive? Should it be 2 or 3%? Yeah. So let's just say it's 3%. You have a million bucks, right? You are a millionaire. You live on 3%. That's 30000 a year you're supposed to only pull out yeah. before taxes. Yeah. <laughs> In, and how are we supposed to retire off that, right? Yeah. 
Now that same million bucks, I, I know in real estate, passively, you know, easily, we can do at least 80 to 100,000 a year. Absolutely. Easily. Easily. Right? Easily. I mean, it's so easy. It's, and, and I realized, and that's what blew my mind in 2006 when it shifted everything for me was, this isn't about how much you grow your money. It's about what kind of income can you actually create? What kind of real, regular, stable income can you pre- predictably have? Cash and, flow. Uh, and I just had a guy yesterday I talked with. He was like, he has about a two to $3 million net worth, right? He's got literally like $3 million sitting in his uh, different mutual funds and IRAs and such, right? Uh-huh. And uh, he goes to the financial advisor and the financial advisor says, you're good. You're 53 years old. You keep this up and you'll be in good shape by your 60s. And uh, now his goal is only to hit about 15,000 a month. I told him, I said, let's retire you this year. Yeah, <laughs> like exactly. We can actually why why do are you still right there? Now. Yeah, said, right now. Yeah, and right you, now. you could so do it and not even use all the money. Course. You don't even need to use all the money and you could do that. You could take 2 million, exactly. leave 1 million in the stock market. Go for it. Yeah. I told him, I said, actually, we could probably hit two to 300,000 by 2022 or 2023. Like yep. it's up to you. You can keep working. You don't have to. And that's, that's the key is work because you want to, not because yes. you have to, right? Hundred percent, you know, and I think the the whole stock market thing is it's. I look at it and I'm like, the stock market over the long term can protect you from in uh, inflation erosion, right? Mm-hmm. That's about it. Yeah, like I'm like, stock market doesn't necessarily make you wealthy. It doesn't, you know, none of that right. stuff. If if you have thousands of dollars and you put it in the stock market. You're just hoping that you have thousands of dollars in equivalent value when you take it mm-hmm. out. You're not going to have a million dollars. There's no yeah. real aspect unless you are actively trading and actively doing things that are more risky. You're trying to time markets. That's totally different. Mm-hmm. We're talking about a placeholder, right? And the stock yeah. market does not a lot for that. It, it's not. It's a horrible vehicle to actually produce that. And the associated compounding returns with the stock market are very risky in comparison oh, yeah. to any other asset class. I mean, it's it's very risky when you get it. Now, Absolutely. lots of people make high, high returns. They're using options. They're leveraging their capital. They're doing all sorts of things like that. And they're making great money. But that yeah. is high risk. This is oh, yeah. not cash flow based. This is, I'm trying to, double, triple hit my capital and I have to because I have to offset for my losses. And I mean, it's a, it, it, it's a beast. It is high risk. Um, well, and I'll tell you, people just don't get yeah. it. They, they don't like, well, and, and even I've had people ask me like, what about stock trading, Chris? And, you know, also in the mid 2000s, right about the time I became financially independent, I was teaching people how to trade stocks and options. That was mm-hmm. another thing I was doing. And I'll tell you like, after being in that world and seeing the successful traders at best, you know, the best traders out there are making maybe 20% a year. That's it. Not yeah. hundreds of percent, like many no. people will proclaim on Facebook, right? No, no, not at it's all. Consistently, year after year after year after year, 20, 25%. I mean, even George Soros, with his, I mean, he's a billionaire. He's one of the few people who have done it with markets. Him, Warren Buffett's bought companies. He doesn't really count, in my opinion. Yeah, no, he but doesn't. George people Soros think he just invested 25%. his money in the stock market. That's not how Warren Buffett works. Mm-hmm. That's it, He's a business and he buys businesses and he principally uses exactly. other businesses for leverage on their float. It's totally different through insurance. Totally companies. different. That's, that's right. You know, And so you think about that, maybe at best 20% and then you have no tax breaks, right? And an yeah. IRA, by the way, is not a tax break. It's just a tax delay. delay. Right? You still yes. have to get taxed on it. Yep. So that's not even a tax break. So you still have to pay tax on money where real estate, I mean, 
I'll give you an example. I have one of my properties in Memphis. I just passed the three-year mark with it. I just did the tally for it. I, I was 32,000 out of pocket with down payment, you know, um, closing costs and everything. Now, between equity, between them paying down my mortgage for me, uh, the appreciation, which has been nice, that's a cool bonus, and the cash flow I've gotten, because the cash and cash return right now is about 16, 17%. Um, but the nice thing is, is that my total return over those those uh, three years has actually been about almost 300%. It's been yeah. $90,000 return out of 32,000. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I thought for the heck of it, I'd look at the S&P 500. I'm like, let's just see if that, that same day, you know, May of, of back in 2018, right? Let's just yeah. see what the market was doing. It did an increase of about 62%, right? Yeah. So that same money would have made me almost 20 grand, you know? Yeah. But I made instead like almost double which, that. Which too, historically speaking, that's incredible for the stock market. That's oh, another. Yeah. That's another thing you got to realize. You yeah, mm-hmm. you say it. May, it would make you twenty grand. That is incredible for the history of the stock market. Like sixty two percent in three years. I that mean, that's is ridiculous. amazing. And the stock yes. market does. You're talking about the best performance like we've seen in the stock market ever, right? The last bull run, Absolutely. because of the government's influence through, you know, devaluing the dollar and pumping in money, everything else like that. The the stock market has been on a tear like we've never seen. Oh yeah, that's that's one thing I was going to mention too, because like in history, even like the depression and everything else, the only time we've seen years since the Great Depression where we've had more than five years in a row of uptrend, you know, was basically like here in the 2000s. We saw it happen a couple of times, right? Yeah. Or 90s. And then, of course, the the the, uh, the early 2000s. But then lately it's been now going on to its 13th year yeah. uptrend of no downs. Yeah, it's bonkers. This, never, this has never happened, not even no. close. I remember in 2016, I was telling people, hey, we've had over six up years this might be white 2K16, you know, or white 2K15, yeah. you know, and and it didn't happen. Like Trump got elected and all of a sudden things shot up again, you know, and then coronavirus and the bellout started back. and it went back up again. Mm-hmm. It did. Like it's done something that it's never done in history. It's, I hate to use the word because it drives me nuts here in it last year, but unprecedented, right? Yes. It's literally it been unprecedented with a 14 plus percent average return. When do you think that's going to come back into balance, right? Usually when I do the long-term trend, like how it's the actual yield, remember I said 8.4%. That's because of these 14 years yes. or 13 years. But usually it's like 7 to 8%. Yep. So it's it's going crazy. It's ridiculous. Now, and then you compare that to real estate during that same time that I've been invested in real mm-hmm. estate. I've gotten, I don't even thousands percent return. Yeah. We've taken the same money tax-free, rolled it over multiple times, turned hundreds yeah. of thousands into millions. It's like- yeah. I mean, it, it's not even comparable to the stock market. Mm-mm. And so you're talking about the stock market that went on a roar. Even too, when you compare in the best of best times, real estate has so far, as a total yield, we're talking about actual money here, cumulative yeah. return, right? How much you're actually making, how much you can reinvest, cash flow you can live on, which those that's stuff you don't get in the stock market. Not at all. Like you can't borrow money from the bank to go put money in the stock market. Even with, maybe you could do, do, I know people say, well, you can margin trade. Yes, you can margin trade up the amount you have yes. in there, right? And you can d- get a double re- return potentially. But again, if it tanks, they're going to call you out of it whenever they feel like, yep. you know, and there'll be a margin call and then you lose almost everything. I had a stock trading student who decided to play the options market a little bit too much, uh, bought a stock, bought an option, thought it was for sure going to go up, went down, 
he lost all but 10% of his money within one week. Yeah. You know, like it was that bad. Yeah. Um, well, and, 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 that's, and that's how it works. That just doesn't it, happen in real estate. No, because mm-hmm. it, it, like in real estate, it's, it's foundation is based on income producing. Now, you yes. can do stupid things in real estate and get screwed. Yes. But it's really easy to do really good in real estate because you just look at very simple things. It, it, mm-hmm. it like keep it simple. Keep fundamentals yeah. strong. And if you do that, it just, you know, it grows. It does. It's it's one of the most surest bets in history that we've seen. And and funny enough, how many times have you heard AJ that people will say, "Oh, well, Real estate's in a bubble. I don't want to buy right now. Like, how many times have you heard that? I was being told that in 2009 after the collapse. In 2010, <laughs> after it had collapsed, when I was buying and building real estate, they're like, it's going to collapse again. It's in a bubble. They've been like, I, I don't know that I've even had a year of my life that somebody hasn't been saying that. But they don't say that about the stock market, even after being ridiculously higher we're supposed to be. By the way, the trend line, I just I, I sent an email to my clients recently where I showed the long-term trend line of, of the stock market. Right now, the, the S&P 500 should be about 1650. Not 4400, 1650, you know. That's way less than where it is right now. You know, now, that's, now that's if it corrected all the way down. It doesn't always do that. Even with yeah. a correction, it might only go partway and then bounce and then correct later on. But well, that's the thing is that if that's where the real value is supposed to be, where it's more than double the value of what it should be, this should be a caution. People should be talking about a bubble here, but no one is because right now what's happening is we're seeing all the big companies, all the institutional investors, slowly they've been trickling their money out as dumb money has been going in. So it's very... so. The yeah, stock we, we're at a, the things. highest point of dumb money that the stock market has ever seen. So right now we're at the highest point of American ownership per capita of yeah. stocks, individual investors. The small guys. Individual investors, not, you know, institutions that are watching the stuff mm-hmm. that hear what's going on the ground. They say that- They're market makers. Trade. Yeah, they're, they're the ones that makers. And by the way, they use AI. 90% of trades going on yeah. right now are AI. They have nothing to do with people yeah. on the floors anymore, you know? So all this stuff is going on and you have zero control of your money, zero control of the returns, and you're just hoping and praying things work out, which is not a plan for no. having like- That's not financial planning. No, that's- That's for, hoping that's and praying. Free. It's not freedom. Well, and two, also, you know, the thing that I want to point out, and it's really important, is when we look at it and they go, well, okay, let's say the stock market and the real estate market's in a bubble, right? And they're like, Mm -hmm. well, AJ, the real estate market's in a bubble. I'm like, why do I care? Like, what do you mean? I'm like, I get paid on income. So if my appreciation goes up or down, that changes nothing. It has nothing to do with my life. The only thing it means is I get to buy properties cheaper than when I had it before. But if the stock uh-huh. market goes down, I actually lose my money. Yep. Like I lose it because I'm not getting income off of it. And I don't know if it's going to rebound or not. But in real estate, yeah. I'm getting paid income. So if I can, if that income's still coming in, I'm still getting my return on my money. And it's mm-hmm. still compounding. And I can still buy more. All of those things exactly. don't go away. In fact, too, if it goes down, I'm excited because now I get to buy more. I'll have higher cash flow and I can compound my money faster. It, exactly. It's, you know, it, it's like, it, it's, it's not the same thing. The bubble in the stock market and a bubble in real estate are not the same thing. Um, now, and people say 2008, and you're like, okay, yeah, but yeah. that had nothing to do with income generating properties. That was Mm-mm. basically the stock market. It was speculative trading yeah. of an asset. Mm-hmm. 
you were banking on appreciation, not yep. cash flow. Not cash flow. That's the biggest thing I learned from the last recession was because I, I got a little bit lazy too. I started thinking like, well, I could buy a hundred thousand pro hundred thousand dollar property if it appreciates ten percent, I make ten grand. Yes. So if I buy a half million dollar property, then I make fifty grand. So let's go big, you know. Yep. And, and that was stupid because I wasn't focused on the cash flow. The very thing that ironically is the thing that got me free. I started losing sight of trying to be speculative and trying to yes. hit it out of the park. So now I see stuff. I'm like, I don't give a crap if it appreciates. I mean, if you took out the appreciation numbers out of the numbers that, you know, I gave you right yeah. like with my own, that, that rental in Memphis, for example, yeah. I still netted about, you know, $25,000, you know, yeah. and from 32,000, right. Yeah. So I still almost double my money in three years, regardless of appreciation. Yep. Um, and that's, and that's the point. Is, and is and that that's it's, real. Like you took that real. in. It actually came into your bank account. That's another thing. When stock goes tax. up, you don't, yeah. And you can reinvest that capital now. So mm -hmm. you could literally have another house now and you could just be uh, right. with that money and you could have doubled that income. And that's right. stocks don't provide you income to compound. In order to compound, I need to be allocating either dividends right? Mm -hmm. Which at a really, really low rate, dividends don't pay you very much, or I need to be yeah. selling and then mm -hmm. reinvesting. And now you're dealing with timing. Now you're dealing with mm -hmm. a whole lot of other stuff that is much more speculative by nature of something that you yeah. have zero control over. Yeah. You know, and if that's not evidence enough for you, I mean, obviously you guys aren't convinced at this point, like, I don't know what will, but I mean, I have a client that actually teaches people how to trade options, right? Stock options. Why did he come to me? Because he said, Chris, I need passive income. Like, I hate the fact that I have to keep working at this day after day, even if it's just half hour to an hour or so that I'm playing the markets. You know, I, you still, do have, I still have to keep doing it. Yeah. And the, the trick that you get stuck into, you just said it, right? That investors get stuck in when, when they're in the markets, like stock markets, is that you have to keep reinvesting. Yes. Because if you start to pull out cash flow, you lost the ability to grow your money. Mm -hmm. So, as and then a result, you lose you your don't returns. Pull out any cash. Yeah. You, so you just keep your cash in there. You just keep investing it and you stay broke driving a beater pickup yep. truck. You know, like you're claiming you make millions, but you really don't, you know, and and that's why you see a lot of people that do make millions in the market are usually the ones selling the stock market, not actually the ones, you know, actually making money in the markets, right? Yes. They have to make money somewhere else outside of the markets. Mm -hmm. You want something that's proven to work that's create freedom for people. And there's no other asset class other than, and even with a business, a business I think is one of the best places you can invest money too. Yeah. Uh, but even then you can get caught in a rat race there. And, and in real estate, you yeah. can get caught in a rat race too. If you get caught in the business of real estate, you know, where yeah. you're just always flipping in your transactional, but you have no passive income, you're stuck. Yes. But you know, if you can create passive income, income that comes in all the time, whether, whether you're worried about moratoriums or not, you still have more than enough coming in, you're free. Yeah. Like you have so many options. Time separation from income. That's what it's all about. And, uh, you know, when you look at um, the overall, like, so if I'm looking at my financial planning and if I'm mm -hmm. looking at, I want to protect capital, I want it to grow, right? But I actually would like freedom yeah. or maybe I just want a hedge in case something goes wrong. There's very few assets that can actually provide that for you because real estate, you get the tax advantages, right. first of all. So mm -hmm. that helps you immediately. Your, in, your, your money grows in the form of equity, just like the stock market or anything else. Um, and yeah. then you have that cash flow that can you can compound it without touching the equity. So I can actually mm -hmm. compound my money without selling the asset and it can keep yeah. growing while, while I do it. Or I can offset lifestyle or I can pay bills 
or I can retire, right? And for me, mm-hmm. that's why I like real estate is it gives you options. And uh, yes. options to me is freedom. It, it, it's exactly. not associated with my time and I have opportunity and options, right? That's financial freedom. It's, you know, yeah. lots of people are in quotations millionaires and they are not free even close. They're not even remotely free. They are, yeah. you know, one firing away from bankruptcy or, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's actually quite incredible. And I think a lot of people don't realize that, that most yeah. of the millionaires in the United States are in the rat race. They are not 100%. some high title thing. They've got them and their spouses' retirement funds. They have some mm-hmm. savings and equity in their home, and they're worth a million dollars. And they make um, $150,000 a year. But if that $150,000 went away, it would be over very quickly. Um, Most of their assets they can't touch, right? Mm -hmm. So I can't touch the uh, retirement accounts. If I sell my house, Mm -hmm. I got to go buy another one to live in. I can't not have a home, right? So it's not like it, it, even then, even if I need it or wanted to invest in it, most of the assets that they've now built their life up, they can't even touch it. Mm-hmm. And right. so they're they're really in the rat race, just like any normal human being. Like it's even if they make a good income and even if they have assets, they don't have access to them. They can't use them and the assets don't pay them. And a lot exactly. of people don't realize that. Exactly. I get it, man. That's so, so right on. That's I see those people all the time. They keep, you know, keep coming. They're like, okay, I'm worth you know, 2 million, 5 million, you know, whatever their net worth they say is. And like net worth doesn't mean anything if your passive income is zero or even if yes. they have a little bit, but they're like, like one of them that had a, about a 5 million net worth, their passive income was only 60,000 a year. Yeah. I was like, that's dead equity. Like money yes. that should be working for you to generate at least a few hundred thousand a year, not 60. And that's with his pension from his yes. company. hundred <laughs> you know? um, percent. Man, I, I, I mean, literally I could, talk about this for hours. And I, I know you have to go. You're, you're, you're running out of meetings. We had some problems with, with the links here. I'm, I'll get you back uh, another time. But where, so yeah. I want, you know, we didn't even really get into what all you've got going on and what you're doing and everything. So why don't you tell, tell everybody where they can find you? Like, where should people go to learn more about your strategy, your mindset, what you're thinking? Yeah, two easy ways. You know, one, you can find my podcast called The Chris Miles Money Show. You find it on iTunes, YouTube, wherever, right? Definitely encourage you to listen to that. Uh, and then the second place, you can always check out our website, moneyripples.com. We even have a free ebook you can download called Beyond Rice and Beans, Seven Secrets to Free Up Cash Today. So you can check that out. Nice. Um, everybody, go check it out. And once again, everybody, I know you're you're going to be like, why is this podcast ending so soon? And it, it had to do with timing. We had a problem with the link. So uh, I, I'm so grateful, though, that we could uh, you'd share all, all that information. It's, it's, it's so important that people wrap their heads around to make the decisions. And Chris, I'll have you back on so we can uh, continue this discussion. But thanks for coming back on or for coming on today. I appreciate it. Man. Thank you, AJ. All right. We'll talk soon.